everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Post Game Live on Green Room, whatever it's called. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Um, I mean, I, I want to bitch and complain about this one, and there's plenty we can complain about. Uh, there, there's still things to be taken away from this game, but and I know like they've been without Couturier for a few. Uh, and he's been battling something all year. I know they've been without Ryan Ellis basically the entire season. Uh, but without those two, as well as Giroux and Provorov, I know we're all down on Provorov, but sadly, he's still the Flyers' second-best defenseman. Uh, when you don't have your two best forwards and your two best, best defensemen, it's not a real game. I realize, like, the Ducks were without, uh, I believe, uh, it was a gets laugh as well as, as a – Trevor Zegras, like, listen, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Flyers. They don't deserve to have excuses made for them. They don't deserve any sort of benefit of the doubt. But this game was exactly as shitty as it looked on paper. I mean, all the players on either team you'd want to watch. I mean, Troy Terry, he's a lot of fun. Sonny Milano, he's a lot of fun. But, like, listen, we all – I come into this game going, all right, at least I get to see Zegras. Uh, and no, uh, not the case. Um, beyond that, I, I don't have a whole lot. A frustrating game to watch just because it was so boring. Uh, that's really become a theme with this team. Not only are they bad, which is, you know, okay. I've dealt with plenty of bad sports teams in my life. That's nothing new. I live in Philadelphia. You know, <laughs> like I love my 11,000 lost Phillies. I've been dealing with these flyers. Yeah, the Eagles haven't exactly been a picnic for most of my life. Uh, But, like, they just suck to watch. All, everything they do. Uh, You know, I tweeted tonight, like, just the little fundamentals of the game that they just have no grasp on. When they're trying to break the puck out, the Flyers. Now, the defensemen will often wrap it around the boards, and that is in itself problematic because, like, you know, even if it gets to the forward, he has to dig it off the boards. He can't make a quick uh, play. He can't make a quick pass to the center, breaking out, whatever. But the defenseman will often wrap it around the boards, and there will be a forward for the opposing team standing at, like, the hash marks, maybe the top of the circle, there to cut it off. While the closest flyers forward is just standing stationary at the point, And I'm dying to know what he's hoping to accomplish there. Like, is he just crossing his fingers that the guy in front of him just whiffs? And he, like, what? so many things. And I think it was Mayhew tonight. And I don't want to pick on Jerry Mayhew because he's fucking Jerry Mayhew. But it's the third period. He's got the puck on his stick, like, 10 feet from the net. And he passes it into, like, traffic to his left. Like, nobody really just kind of dishes it off. Like... How do you not know the net's in front of you, dog? Like, that's where the net has been your entire career. Take it there. You're not good enough to thread that pass through six skates. And even if you were, why would you? When the net's – let's just get to the calls. I don't want to do this all night. It was just a garbage fake game in a, in a garbage fake season. Uh, the, just another wasted year of Philadelphia hockey. So uh, let's get to it. Let's lead things off with Kevin Staub. Kevin, you're live on the post game. Bill, you there? I got you. How are you tonight, Kevin? Surviving. Uh, I didn't watch. 
watch that game tonight because I knew it was going to be you. Like shit. Well, I did turn it on about halfway through the third period, so I got to see the excellence that is number three on the Flyers. And <laughs> listening to the podcast, the BSH Radio podcast today, and you guys were all over him. I'll be honest with you, I love that guy. I think he's phenomenal, and we he is exactly what the Flyers need. Um, I've been on Team Blow It Up since the playoff bubble when – you know, they were getting run, run circles around by the Canadians and they barely won that series and they really got outclassed. And I don't know how they made it a series against the Islanders. It was apparent to me at that point that this team ain't going anywhere the way with the makeup that it has and nothing has fundamentally changed. So Keith Yandel is going to help speed up the blow up process. You know, we're going to be have a better draft picks and this season is going to continue to torpedo faster with him on the ice. That's he all truly I got. Is, like, uh, thanks a lot, Kevin. And uh, like, it, it, it truly is. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy, like you said, he's torpedoing their season. I don't know if I've ever seen a guy make more bad plays. Like, you know, and, and again, we've had, we've, and he referenced the show today where we just crushed uh, Keith Yandel for a lot of it. And we did. And like Keith Handel is an old guy here on a one-year deal for under a million dollars. He is what he is. But and we've had lots of bad defensemen, especially over the last several seasons. But like mistakes that lead directly to high danger chances and goals. I, I don't know if I've ever seen more like in a short period of time as I have like Keith Handel over the last like month, month and a half. It's it's truly impressive. Uh, and if the goal is a stealth tank, keeping Keith Yandel, fuck, man, play him first pair of minutes then because this – he is god-awful. Uh, Nikki Hall, Nikki, you're live on the post. Yeah. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Nikki? I mean, I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, I'm not going to discredit the Ducks. They're a solid team. Oh, the Ducks are good. They're missing some guys tonight, but they still have a ton of – they have more talent on the ice than the Flyers tonight. They're a good team. Mm. They're fine. Yeah, definitely uh, third third watch team probably by me. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely I, – I would be on the speed in, this, in, the, in the silent tank with uh, Yandel. But the other problem kind of lies there is that if we're doing that, we're going to be torturing ourselves the rest of the season. Now, granted, it's only for one year. I feel like that might not sit well with a lot of people. I'm not going to say I everybody. Mean, if they're going to rebuild this thing, it's going to take more than one year. Oh, no, without a doubt. Um, honestly, the first couple may, or honestly, the first, the one that ultimately it falls on its uh, Fletcher, like, if he's not willing to at least make what some move or some moves to at least try and get this team in some combat, some shape, like he really pulled the trigger on two risky moves. The first was Yandel. Granted it was a one year and also Ellis who I'm convinced doesn't even exist because of how freaking snake bit. And I think one of my friends even joked that he was like, Andre Mazzaro's 2.0. I'm like, eh, it's pushing it a tiny bit, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this this team. I mean, hey, the Eagles are in the playoffs. Maybe they'll 
do something good. You know, Sixers are well, the Sixers. Maybe the Phillies have a good year. Well, thanks. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Thanks a lot, Nikki. Uh, just in terms of like, I don't even. I don't even know where to start uh, with a lot of the assessments, like for the players on this team. Like the the Ryan Ellis trade is still a good trade. Like, I'd still make that trade right now. Like, Phil Myers is even playing for the Predators. Uh, He was getting scratched for a bit there. And what I saw out of him last year, he's just not a good player. So that's fine with me. And Nolan Patrick was getting scratched, and then he was hurt. Um, He's not very good either. He's going to be out of the league by, like, 25 probably. So I'm not all that worried about those two guys. You got Ryan Ellis for essentially nothing. you know, even if you want to, like I do, pretend we traded those two guys for Ristolainen and we gave up a, a first and Robert Haig for Ryan Ellis, I'd make that trade. Like, what that first round pick was going to be what for this team? Nothing. Four years before we even saw him, and when he got here, he'd be underwhelming. And Robert Haig is what he is. He's a third pair defense, whatever. Um, Keith Handel, you know, you brought in a, a veteran to uh, try to steady your third pair. And him and Braun together with the defense as it was supposed to be built seemed like a good idea. Um, you lose Ellis basically right away. The defense is never what it's supposed to be. And Keith Handel's out there playing with fucking, you know, waiver claims. Um, he just gets exposed. It, it was worth a shot. It didn't work. I wish they'd make the decision to move on from him. Like that's you have these low cost one year players. If they don't work, you just get fucking rid of them. But since he's in the middle of this nonsense Iron Man streak, uh, that means absolutely nothing. Um, he's got to stay in the lineup, and we have to continue to watch this bump. Uh, Harris Barnes, Harris, you're live on the post game. Um, hey, Bill, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. How are you tonight, Harris? Uh, doing fine. I uh, took a break from the post games for a bit for uh, mental health reasons. So That's I'm back and, and sleep and sleep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks like the Flyers are going to miss the playoffs. So they will actually have back to back playoff misses. But like they're just in this state of mediocrity that I mean, everyone references the wild. But remember what the Blue Jackets did for like. 11 of their first 12 years of existence, they were bad with no purpose. Like you're just kind of diving into that range. And if you don't get sort of lucky and hit on some um, major picks outside the first round and, uh, and, and have really good development with your AHL staff, uh, I mean, you're going to be picking in not great spots. You might get a, a really good player this year. Who's ready in two years, but still flawed or isn't ready for four years. I mean, like, I just don't know what you do unless you're you're getting lucky. That's your – to do what they did, they had to get extremely lucky, and they got the opposite. Like, they get extremely lucky. They think with Nolan Patrick, he's a bust. You know, you, you get a German Rubsov in there. You get a Jay O'Brien in there. And suddenly, like, what did you, what did you accomplish in the entire – and, like, I don't want to relitigate the Hextall thing because we do that all the time. But, like, even now, what have they accomplished in terms of uh, talent accumulation? 
you know, Limblom looked like he was on a certain trajectory and he still might turn out to be a useful player, but like a, a fifth round pick is one of your best draft picks. That's what you're looking at. Like Carter Hart, Carter Hart's the only thing you accumulated out of all of this and you need the goalie. And it's huge that they have that going forward because you can build a team around a goaltender and it's a lot easier to do that than, you know, not having one. But like, they should have one guy who's close to as good as Claude Giroux, and they have nobody close. I mean, I like what I'm Brinks having a good bounce back NCAA season. I I've always liked the the McLennan and Wisdom picks, and Dayoye has popped off and could be a really good third liner. Um, but I mean, prospects are prospects. Most of them don't really turn out, and if they they sort of do, they're third or fourth liners. You might, occasionally might get lucky get the second liner, but um, Fletcher or whoever's the next GM has to look at what he has and see that um, if they really want to turn the team around, it's either you're fully rebuilding or you're having to really swing big and turn wh- what you have in the pool and really go for it. No, and you need to uh, – and thanks a lot, Harris. It needs to be – that's why I don't fault the the Ryan Ellis trade, and I think – like, you know, I was hesitant on Jack Eichel. Um, a neck thing is it's a lot to deal with, and the price tag would be very high. But it, a situation like that, it, man, you kind of look at it and go, fuck. What if we could have scored a Jack Eichel? Then suddenly all those other depth things fall into place. And they need to try to – if they – it's going to be really hard for them to rebuild. We've talked on the show like a blow it up situation because uh, we've referenced like when you have Carter Hart and we think he's as good as he is, it's hard to bottom out. I think there's ways around that. But more realistically, like with Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis, perhaps, um, it's going to be hard. And, like, I'm talking about these guys at full strength. Obviously, this year a lost season. Uh, but I believe, you know, we will at least get some sort of productivity, uh, productivity out of them in the future. Uh, I, with those guys, it's going to be hard to really bottom out. Um, you know, so uh, you get you have to look at targeting you have to figure out how to bring a superstar in here one way or another. It's it's very – you're very much in that basketball situation where it's like, no, we just we just need a top end. We need one of those guys who can get us over, you know, a certain threshold. Uh, Zach Boyle. Zach Boyle, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How you doing? I'm well. How are you tonight, Zach? Eh, I'm all right. It's like the fourth straight West Coast game I've stayed up for, so – I'm not even counting, but it's all misery. Um, so I'm just going to preface this with by saying that I understand that everything when it comes to draft and draft picks is illogical chaos because sports are misery and we're all here for it. But the one thing that I, I kind of started to think about as I watched this game and I saw how Anaheim's players started to kind of like how they have been playing and, and other teams like them, like the Kings have gotten lucky. Detroit's gotten you know, some good results out of the players like Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. Like, are we just like one step constantly behind like what the team needs in terms of actually being NHL ready? Like, I feel like every two years, the strategy shifts like minorly where it's like, we need 200 players. No, now we need players with 
high IQ. Now we need this. Now we need that. And, and they're always just one step behind what is actually happening in the NHL. Maybe, maybe that's just a thought that I've stumbled upon tonight after three gold monkeys, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's something there. No, it does seem like for a while they were targeting, uh, we want the high IQ, good overall, uh, maybe not the highest ceiling, but a high floor player, a guy who will, you know, maybe not wow us, but he'll end up in the NHL. We don't want any busts. Um, they just, I, I, I think they've had a real risk averse, um, like strategy when it comes to the draft and it's hurt them. That's why they don't have the high end talent. Yeah. Do some of these guys not work out? Sure. You know, but man, you need to take a swing on a star every now and then a star caliber star caliber player. Otherwise you're never going to have one. (laughs) Like you have to take the risk at some point. They're not just going to fall in your lap. Like, yeah, sure. You could get lucky and be Vegas and trade for Mark Stone trade for Jack. Like, Alex Petrangelo chooses to go there. But in the last 20 years of flyers hockey, that has not been the case. Guys choosing to come here, pulling off these trades for these high end players. So you have to acquire them the way they're free in the draft. And the Flyers just haven't. No, we're a bigger destination for dudes that played in the 80s than we are for dudes that play right now. Uh, it's, 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 it's just interesting. Like, you never see them take a risk on a guy like Alex Dabrinkit, but they'll take a guy that's, like, strong two-way player, doesn't score a lot of points. Like, he did okay in the SHL, and they're like, yeah, that's our guy. First-round pick, you got it. Yeah, and it seems like maybe they've uh, got a few guys like uh, the the last caller brought up, uh, Desnoyers and um, you know Emil Andre over in Sweden. But still, it's uh, you know you have a big gap there, and those guys are young. We watched this current crop of young players. How long it takes for you, you know. Development isn't linear. How long it takes for you to hit your prime and then you know keep it going and it's a while before we can actually depend on those guys who may or may not be anything. Yeah. The whole point of why I brought it up was just, you know, maybe we're kind of looking at the wrong reasons as to, you know, why this team isn't anything like, I don't know, maybe like after so many years of failing at bringing in prospects, like how many, how many like, you know, passovers are they going to get to just be like, yeah, we brought in no one from this year's draft and we had nine picks. Like how many times are you going to get that pass? Yeah, it's they're in they're in a rough spot. They're in and thanks a lot, Zach. They're in a tougher spot right now, maybe than they were when Hextall took over. Ugh. He had to dig them out of such a big hole, cap wise, and yeah, but there was a there was a base here. He could have done something more. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> They have more – they could deal from within to make – like, you can move a Provorov or a Konechny or a Santa. Like, you could get something for what they have right now. And I don't know if that was the case for Hextall. So, uh, you know, I guess it doesn't matter either way. But just trying to think, like, the spot they're in, it, I don't know what direction is the right direction. Like, yes, blow it up, but fuck, man, how long is that going to take uh, and how? Like we we talked about it before, how great would it be if there was a loan system in the NHL? If it you know we could loan Carter Hart to Colorado for two years, 
Like, let him get some uh, Western Conference finals, some Stanley Cup final experience under his belt. And then, uh, you know, we bought him out and then bring him back here. 2025. All right, we're ready to go, kid. You're in your prime. <laughs> Jacob Russell. Jacob, you're live on the post game. Jacob, hit on mute. Sorry about there that, Bill. You hear me now? Yeah, you're good. I got you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a good holiday. But uh, I didn't watch tonight. I've I've, I've uh, been back from school with my dad, and we've just been watching the last couple uh, 10:30 games, and it's just getting it's getting depressing to watch these guys just go out without any sort of a vision at all. Like it, it just seems like they're just out there just skating around. Like it, you, you, we're not striving towards anything. And I can watch a team be bad. Like I've. I've seen the Flyers be bad in the past. I've seen them – I'll probably see them be bad for a lot longer now. Um, but, you know, when you're bad without any sort of vision for the future, it just feels like we're turning into the Minnesota Wild. And, unfortunately, we also have the man who was the architect of those fantastic Minnesota Wild teams that never did anything. Um, so it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen in the future, but – um it, it's just hard to watch, you know, that these guys struggle without any sort of st- next step to take anywhere. And that's like it's both like the franchise direction. You're not sure what it is. And also just their on ice play. Like I don't know what they're trying to accomplish a lot of the time. Like, yeah. I, I joked on Twitter tonight. Are they under the impression there's like a three point line? Like, do they <laughs> think they need to get further away from the net and it'll count for more? Like, you can score in close. I promise it counts for the same amount if you shoot from the slot. Give it a shot. Getting closer to the goalie, I bet you you'll have like a higher success rate. But no, they love to just play on the perimeter, get it back to the point, dish it out when they're in close. I. They have no direction on or off the ice. I don't know what they're trying to do. And that's the funny thing. It never seems like they're playing to the strengths of the guys that they have. Because JVR, Kevin Hayes, I mean, these are guys who are, even Lindblom and Farabee, they're guys who who strive and who who thrive in front of the net. They need to get to those areas. But we never see... TK, TK especially in the slot. Five yeah. feet of the net, like that's what he does. I mean that, and and it never seems like you're playing this this game where you're passing the puck around ad nauseum, and no one can pl- play that game except for Giroux. Even Couturier, he he's really that's not his strength, and they They're, just keep nailing pass, it on the head. They pass nonstop. And they're horrible at passing. Like it would be oh, one thing awful. if they could, like if they could wheel the puck around, like they were Colorado or you know uh, the Rangers. Cool, but they're not. Like they need to get the puck on net and bang away. That's all that they can do because they are they can't put two passes together in a row. It's impossible for them. And relying on point shots when you have uh, at least half of the half of the defense core that is not an NHL defense core. It's, it's, it's flabberg. I don't understand. I don't get it. I'll never understand anything this team does, but I uh, hope you had a good night regardless, Bill. Okay. 
Uh, thanks, Jacob, and Happy New Year to you. Happy holidays uh, to really everybody listening. I, I say it all the time. We have another caller I'm going to get to, but for that, just thanks for hanging. It, it, like here on the East Coast is 1.15 a.m., and you're up to talk to me about this garbage team that just played a garbage game you know, with a 10 o'clock puck drop. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, let's get to Johnny Dyer here. Johnny, you're live on the post game. How's it, Bill? How are you tonight, Johnny? Oh, tired, man. I had a, I bombed a job interview. I got my booster shot, and then I watched that game. Like I hit the trifecta, bro. We were laughing earlier in the season about Mike Yo was going to end up the head coach of this fucking team, and here we are. Here he is. In the same in the same conversation, we were laughing about um, what's the guy's name? Ah, crap. Uh, Mark Bergevin being the GM of this fucking team. Are we down that path? Like, (laughs) does he become the GM before or after the trade deadline? (sighs) I'm really interested because it kind of like Chuck Fletcher just does not seem like a guy concerned about his job security. And nope. I don't know, like, especially if they choose to, like, fix this thing and start over. How do you entrust him to do that when he was the guy who put all your eggs in? No, I build a team that can win this year. Like, uh, And, you know, I believed in a lot of his moves. It's not like I'm crushing Chuck Fletcher, although I do think, like, he seems to, his pattern is he does something in the offseason and sets it and forgets it. Like, he's like, okay, yeah, that's the team. Nothing else I can do. Like, uh, like he believes it illegal to make moves in the season or something uh, as things spiral out of control. But uh, I'm really interested to see what happens to this front office. He's afraid to pull the trigger, just like the team is afraid to pull the trigger in front of the net. It could – like, he's made – he's made good, solid off-season moves two of his three off-seasons here. Do you and remember then the, the season starts, and he does nothing else. Like, you see, okay, this is what the team is. This is what they're missing. And then nothing happens. Did Did Giroux watch this game and realize, like, have that, like, you know, when you, like, pull back and you get that, like, outside view of what's happening, look at what was happening. It was like, I got to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> like we always like uh you know sometimes they're t- they talk about scratching players and you you get to watch the game from up high you get that bird's eye view i wonder if he was sitting there watching the game on tv and like oh you know what you need to watch to learn sometimes and what he learned was man this team fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's finally he's finally coming around to what we all know I hope, like, I hope he came to that conclusion. Honestly, <laughs> he did. If he, I mean, he knows because he's out there trying to pass to these guys all the time. But like, just watching this tonight, uh, my God, how does he sit? I hope he didn't watch. Honest, I hope he had something better to do with his time than watch this game. I hope he just took a nap, hung out with his his wife and two kids, and lived the dream. <laughs> all right, thanks, Bill. Aloha, man. You got it, Johnny. Thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, like, oh, I want Claude Giroux to be a flyer for life, and I want him to be the captain when this team eventually raises a Stanley Cup. But since, you know, I also, like, want to be president, I, you know, 
some things just ain't going to happen. Uh, it, it, why the fuck would he come back? Well, I get, you know, he's a loyal guy. He wants to be the all-time leader. He wants to be everything for this team, and I appreciate all that. But goddamn, man, go win somewhere. You earned it, kid. My God, I say as he's nine months older than me. Uh, Ryan Chrisman, Ryan, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Jesus, that that game sucked. It but. sure did. <laughs> uh, Cam York looked pretty good though. So there's there's one. That's honestly the only reason that I watched tonight. Cause uh, I, I, no, that was the reason to watch this game tonight. And he is including Ryan Ellis, probably one of the three best defensemen on the team. Yeah, yeah, even in Ryan Ellis's current state of not being able to play. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think – I'm not sure if Claude Drew actually got to watch it this game because I saw, like, his wife posted on Instagram that, like, <laughs> he was – all the game – like, I guess he's in Anaheim right now in a hotel room, confined, and, like, it's the game is blocked out on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. Lucky him. Oh, my God. If he w- if he physically could not watch the game, that is the funniest shit ever. So the like- captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. Imagine the NHL. Like, the captain of the team is unable to watch the game, and he's in the city it's being played in. Yeah, due, to, due to the COVID protocol. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Anyway, um... Yeah, the game sucked. Uh, I thought Keith Yanda looked great. Um, especially, <laughs> uh, actually, to, to be completely honest with you, he he looked better this game than he has the last like five games because he actually made some defensive plays. Uh, but that's not why he was brought here. So that kind of sucks. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for for you on this game. But I, I appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, it's a uh... It's unbelievable how bad how bad Keith Yandel is with the puck. Like, that's his thing. Uh, he's horrible. Uh, it, it seems like every time he touches it, it's a disaster. And which is really funny because I said before the season, I liked the idea. And you know, if, if they could shelter him and he was out there with Justin Braun like he was supposed to be. Maybe it would be a different story. Uh, but, like, my whole thing was, all right, Ellis Proverall, if you have in the makings of potentially a first pair there, Sandheim, Ristolainen, again, you got the makings of a potential strong pair there. We'll see how, you know, those two guys gel together. Can Ristolainen be better than he was in Buffalo? Can Sandheim bounce back? Et cetera, et cetera. A lot of what-ifs, you know, beginning of the season. And then – after last year with the disaster that was the defense and trying to rely on some young guys, they were like, all right, we have Braun, we bring in Yandel, we have two veterans, we can play him 16, 17 minutes a game. I know what they're going to do, and it won't be a disaster. And Keith Yandel has been a fucking disaster, disaster so far. Just just awful. Josh McGrath. Josh, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. I just wanted to say one thing specifically to Yandel tonight. The point where, like, they were pressing really hard in the five-on-four with the goalie pulled, and he's got the puck at the point staring at three defenders, and he just softly plays it into their shins. Right into them. Like, he did that on purpose, right? Like, that was on purpose. It had to have been. 
He was done. He was so tired. He was like, screw it. I, I, I just knew it was going to happen. I will say trying to be a little bit positive because this team is hard to be positive about anything right now. I think, you know, York looked fantastic and a future, maybe next year, maybe two years from now. But with if you have a Provorov Ellis top pairing and then maybe a Sanheim York second pairing and then a Rissalainen Zamola third pairing, like there is a potential path forward with our defense. Don't see it so much for the forwards, but I do think that like we have the makings and could possibly have a solid blue line. That's my my optimistic point for the night. All right, I feel you, Josh. Uh, my issue is, and thanks a lot. Um, Ellis has always missed time in his career. And without a number one defenseman, Ivan Provorov is not a first-pair defenseman. Um, I think you badly – like, if we're going to go with as currently constituted, I very much think you need another first-pair defenseman to go with Ellis, and you need a Provorov-Sanheim second pair. I don't care that they're both left-handed think you could make it work um regardless uh, you know and then like york ristoline and some whatever uh they don't they don't i just don't believe they have the horses uh, they don't have to me a true first pair with ivan Provorov because if ryan ellis gets hurt suddenly ivan Provorov will not will look like shit again like that's just that's that's been his career when he's out there with a guy who he has confidence in he plays well when he doesn't he he plays poorly and i i just i think in that situation you have another first pair defenseman so if ellis goes out you bump proverov up and you still have a first pair but i i really don't think they have the horses on the back end uh justin b justin b you're live on the post game hey bill um Man, just just fuck COVID. Am I right? I'm I'm done with this shit already. Um, but I guess a short thing. Two things on Provorov. One, um, how do you feel about him losing an Ironman streak due to something like this? I mean, should records be made and broken by some crazy pandemic? Like, do you have any? Yeah, I, it's just the time we live in. I don't care about Ironman streaks. People have uh, like I've gotten in. I'm sure it means something to him. Uh, the players take pride in the amount of games they can play uh, in a row. And, you know, he hasn't missed a game in his career until now. And that sucks uh, that it ends like this. Um, I don't care. I, yeah, I was just curious whatever. what you thought about it. I mean, listen, uh, even with it, Ovechkin's still trying to take the goal record. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter, right, overall? Yeah, and, like, when I always think about Ovechkin's career – he misses his whole what should have been his rookie season because of a lockout. He's had what the the, the twenty thirteen lockout and now two COVID shortened seasons. Like, uh, you know, bad shit happens all the time. Right, that's almost an asterisk. So you're almost like, yeah, you probably would have done it if that didn't all happen, right? Um, and then the second thing you were just talking about, Provorov, you know, needing a first pair defenseman or a top defenseman to play with. Where does that leave Niskanen? Was Niskanen a number one defenseman, or was he just some sort of magic? You know, I 
I think it was just the confidence he Niskanen was steady enough to play on a first pair, uh, and it was just the confidence Provorov had. And there is a chance that we all missed it, and Niskanen was actually a superstar, uh, and uh, somehow nobody knew his entire career. I know that's just the thing. I don't think he was, but somehow it worked. And so maybe we don't need the number one, number one guy, but we just got the right guy to make Provorov good. I don't. And know. that's like, and that that's kind of what I think about him playing with Sanheim is it's just a guy who you know they could develop some sort of chemistry, and over a period of time they could just have the confidence in each other to play well, uh, even if it's not like their first pair defenseman. It's just two guys that you know could go out and communicate and make plays with each other, uh, and I think that would work. But, yeah, like Ryan Ellis, when he's healthy, is a first pair defenseman. Maybe Niskanen wasn't his prime. For most of his time here, he looked like one, but, no, he it's not like he's he was a superstar or anything. Cool. Thanks, Bill. All right, thanks a lot, Justin. Appreciate it. Uh, wow, guys, we're going to wrap this up relatively early. I mean, we're still pushing 40 minutes, but we're going to wrap it up relatively early tonight. Uh, I mean, 10 o'clock start, the team's awful, fake game, uh, no Couturier, no Giroux, no Provorov. Uh, you know, it is what it is, but uh, we got through it, and now we are through this West Coast trip. That was the last 10 o'clock start of the season uh, per Kelly Hinkle on today's BSH radio. I assume that's true because they already took one. Uh, they already took one West Coast trip earlier in the season. Now this is that. So uh, pretty much normal start times from here on out, which is uh, much appreciated. Honestly, it's uh, it'll be nice to have some seven o'clock starts again. But that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already you got to hit that subscribe button, search Broad Street Hockey, wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, 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 so many shows, uh, all of your Flyers podcasting needs under one feed. Just search Broad Street Hockey, wherever there are podcasts. Maybe leave us a five-star review. Say some nice words about us. We'd love it. Uh, We're all very egocentric and need the uh, validation of our listeners. So hook us up there. All right, that's it. Uh, My name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Damn it, I forgot to reveal the poll results, so let me read those to you real quick. Uh, at 12.44, no, that's when I sent the tweet. As of 1.38 a.m., uh, the answer to give me your honest answer, ignoring contracts, you have to have one. Keith Yandel, 44%. Andrew McDonald, 56%. 216 total votes so far. Uh, it's going to be up for the rest of the day, so if you want to get your uh, opinion in, it's pinned to my Twitter profile, at Philadelphia one Go check it out.